Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Howl and Blossom podcast. My name's Sean, creator and founder of the project, and today we're going to talk a little bit about how you can move away from anxiety and fear towards listening more to your inner guidance um, and journeying home to yourself. Last time I told you a little bit about my mental health story and my experience with anxiety and depression and I said that the best way to journey home to yourself and away from the anxiety is to listen to your inner guidance but that is easier said than done especially in the beginning. So how do you know the difference between your inner guidance and your anxiety or fears? most basic way I can think of to describe it is that your anxiety and fears live in your mind and your inner guidance, uh, your innate wisdom and your inner knowing live in your gut. There's a negative committee that resides in your head. Everyone has one. Um, I refer to mine as the negative committee or sometimes uh, that bitch that lives in my head. Um, affectionately known, not. And it, it lies to you. That negative committee will lie to you because your mind thinks that it's keeping you safe. So it's constantly living in fear. It would rather you never tried anything new. It would rather you didn't go anywhere that you hadn't been before. It wants to keep you away from anything that might be remotely scary Um And my experience of anxiety was that that voice in my head, that negative committee, was on overdrive all the time. I used to have trouble choosing my breakfast cereal. I I would literally have anxiety over choosing my breakfast. And that's if I'd even managed to make it out of bed in the first place. Um... Which was, which was probably more the depression part. but uh, So telling the difference between the negative committee in your head and your inner guidance takes practice, especially if your negative committee and your anxiety are uh, on a high and they are in overdrive. So how? How do you do it? I will often describe my anxiety as overwhelm. I use that word a lot now that I have um, a much better control of my anxiety. It's when I start feeling overwhelmed, it's kind of I can see that anxiety coming on the horizon and I know that I need to do something about it before it reaches me. Um, or to prevent it from reaching me. I can see it in the distance. I'm feeling overwhelmed. There's too much going on and I'm not coping. Um, Before I have a complete meltdown, um, I need to take some action. The primary action that I take to overcome the overwhelm is breaking absolutely everything down into tiny little stages. The the best illustration I have of this is 
when I was really unwell, I found it very difficult to leave the house. I knew that I needed to leave the house. I knew it made me feel better to go and walk in nature. I knew I needed to do that. But getting there some days was almost impossible. So I would break it down into tiny steps. So step one would be put on your shoes. Step two, find your keys. Step three, open the front door. And it was literally, it was literally like this in my head. There are obviously quite a few steps to that. Um, and I wouldn't hold them all in my head or I don't hold them all in my head at the same time um, because that's not going to help with the overwhelm. Having a huge to-do list doesn't help. Um, so I just do one thing at a time. I can hold about three things before I start to find it difficult to keep hold of them, if that makes sense. So I would have put your keys... Keep, put your shoes on, find your keys and open the front door at, in my head. And each time I achieved one of those things, I would congratulate myself. Um, so after putting my shoes on, I'd be like, well done, great. Keep going. What's the next thing you need to do? Find your keys. Where are your keys? Okay, cool. You've got them in your hand. So good. Well done. Doing really well. And I would, it's like coaching yourself. Um, through that so that the ne the negative part of your brain doesn't have time to chime in so it kind of works in two ways you're not just congratulating yourself because it it makes you feel good it buoys you up and it keeps you going but it also fills that space so that that negative voice doesn't have anywhere to kind of get in um, and take over and then the next thing I'd do is open the front door some days, just opening the front door was it. I would go to step outside, which would be the next step for me, literally, um, and I wouldn't be able to do it. But I would congratulate myself for getting my shoes on, my keys, and opening the front door. Um, some days, I would make it all the way to the car, get in, shut the door. Do you see how I, li I literally break everything down? Get in the car, shut the door. Um, and then I would sit there, panic and go back in. But every time I would congratulate myself for how far I got. Something else really important is that progress isn't linear. So on Monday, I might manage to get in the car drive down the road to um, the National Trust car park, park the car, go for a walk, half an hour, 45 minutes, get back in the car, come home and get back in the door and I would have done it on the Monday. On the Tuesday I might go to do it and I might stand at the front door and think I can't open that today and that was okay. It took me a little while to learn not to beat myself up for that because progress isn't linear. It's important to remember that in absolutely everything in your life, progress isn't linear. 
whenever you do anything progress isn't linear you look at, I love that graph that shows um the starting point and the end point of something and it's like begin here and the end point on the graph is success um and it says on the left what most people think the path to success looks like and it's just a straight line or a straight trajectory up to success and then the graph on the right is actually very squiggled you can't even follow the line it's up down round and round and, and back and forwards and it's just a scribble and then you get to success and that that is genuinely what everything is like so it's okay if on Monday you can do something and on Tuesday you can't it doesn't mean you need to give up it doesn't mean you failed you just have to accept yourself where you are in any given moment and that's okay so I break everything down into steps like that and I congratulate myself for every step I've completed and I don't beat myself up and compare myself to what I achieved yesterday or last week. And I also don't compare myself to other people. Obviously, I'm not perfect at this and it took a lot of practice. Um, it also, the comparison to other people thing meant that I had to completely overhaul my social media, who I followed what pages I engage with, which we'll talk about at a different time, because that's another um, really key thing that you can do. But yes, I think the comparison is the thief of joy. So true. Um, if you stay in your lane and concentrate on what you're doing um, and make sure you're happy, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. And it's the same with comparing yourself to how you were yesterday or how you were a week ago as long as you're showing up and trying then you're succeeding that's all you can ask from you from yourself is that you show up as frequently as you can and you try and the outcome will eventually be favorable so not not only do i break everything down into steps I still do that now. So eventually, I don't I don't find it difficult to leave the house anymore. If I've stayed at home for more than three days in a row and I think about leaving the house, I can feel that anxiety rising in me and my heart starts to um, beat a little faster. And then I think, well, I'm going to have to leave the house now before it becomes debilitating again. So I, I know that my... I know from practicing and failing that um, that's my threshold and that if I get to day three and I think I haven't left the house, I need to leave the house, then I need to do it before it becomes a problem. And sometimes that just looks like going to the supermarket. Just get in the car and go to the supermarket. And sometimes I don't take a list with me. I literally just think, right, you've just got to get in the in the car. It depends how anxious I am about leaving the house I mean it's never debilitating now but if I overthink it I will procrastinate um, and then not go so sometimes it's just easier to just pick up my keys and leave um, and then worry about 
what happens at the supermarket when I get to the supermarket. The things that I do still struggle with are busy supermarkets. I would say that crowds of people, um, particularly supermarkets for some reason, um, really get me. I find that very difficult and I do still sometimes have a meltdown in the supermarket and I have to practice this now. If I'm in the supermarket and there are too many people and I can feel myself having a a meltdown, I call it a meltdown, an anxiety attack, Um, it's not, I don't have a panic attack necessarily, not normally, very, very rarely, Um, but I will stand there and I'll have to break everything down. So I take one thing at a time and I do it to such an extreme that I I can then manage and get through a situation and some I've got so good at the process of breaking it down that sometimes I don't even I don't even panic or get to the point of overwhelm because I know myself and I know that if I turn up to Audi on a Saturday afternoon I'm I'm going to struggle with that if I want to go there at midday on a Saturday and that's the only time I can go I'm really going to struggle, so I just try to focus my brain on what's in front of me at the time. If the first thing I've got to do is get in the car and get there, then that's what I do. The next thing is finding a trolley, that's what I focus on. I don't worry about the thing that comes after until I get there. It's huge. It's cha- It changed my life completely, doing that. Um, it sounds simple, but it takes a little bit of practice, and... You have to break it down into like tiny, tiny things. Well, I have to break it down into tiny things. You might manage to do it in bigger ways. I'm not sure. Um, You'll have to let me know how you get on with it. If I wake up, I do. If I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed that day, because I struggled a lot with getting out of bed as well, my minimum requirement for getting out of bed is brushing my teeth so that's that's how I bargain with myself you know when you're you're like you you don't want to do something so in your head you bargain with yourself and I'm like if I just get out of bed and clean my teeth and then see how I feel after that and then I assess how I feel I practice doing that by going for walks in nature so practice getting out the house and breaking it down into steps um I'll just read you every single step so you can truly understand like the extent at which I broke it down put your shoes on find your keys open the front door step outside shut the front door get in the car turn on the car drive to the car park park turn off the engine Get out of the car, walk away from the car, keep going for as long as you can, breathing, concentrating only on the moment, asking yourself, am I okay in this moment? Usually resulting in a response of yes. Return to the car whenever you want to, go home. So we've literally broken it down into, because 
they're the things that used to cause me anxiety. So walking away from the car, some days I'd get there, I'd get out of the car, I'd stand there and I'd freeze and then I'd get back in the car. So in my head, I'd congratulate myself every time I walked away from the car as well. The biggest thing is, am I okay in this moment? I would... I'd have mantras in my head as I walked and I would look at my feet and every step I took, I would be congratulating myself and repeating my mantra because watching my feet take a step kept me in the moment. It kept me focused on that step, each step, which is the only thing we ever need to focus on. We get very caught up in everything else, um, which is what causes me to become anxious and overwhelmed so I would just focus on my feet which would keep my mind and do my mantra over and over again whatever my mantra happened to be that day and it would keep me focused. Being outside was a really big thing as well so walking in nature is huge. I like to take my shoes off but I don't always Uh, sometimes it's not practical or safe and sometimes it's just a step too far like there are too many steps I'm having to (laughs) focus on and taking my shoes off is one that I could do without so I don't do it but still being outside I'm, I'm with trees so trees apparently vibrate at the perfect frequency what that actually means I don't know I just know that I feel better when I spend time with trees. I know that everything everything vibrates because everything is made of atoms. This is scientifically correct at, at the moment with the research we have available to us now. Um, atoms are made up of a lot of space and they vibrate. Um, and so everything, absolutely everything, you are made up of atoms, the floor, the table, the chair, other other animals, beings, leaves, trees, everything is made up of atoms and so everything vibrates. Sound is a vibration, everything has a different frequency and it's said that trees vibrate at the perfect frequency. Again, not sure what that actually means but I know that it makes me feel good so I spend time with trees. The more you tune into nature, the more you tune into yourself because being inside and detached from the seasons and the vibrations outside and the vibrations of the earth is really not in our nature at all. If you think about um, how many hundreds of people, thousands of years humans have been on the planet um being inside in fixed structures the way we live now with this much technology and electricity is very new to us and not really in it's not really conducive to our nature so whilst it's a lot more comfortable um and we have avoided a lot more disease and therefore thrived it's Um, detrimental to us in other ways so getting outside helps all the time 
I, even if I'm in my car and I just sit and park up somewhere peaceful with an audio book, if that's all I can manage, if it's dark, so in winter sometimes that's what I do because if it's dark and it's raining and it's not safe for me to be wandering around in the, in the woods by myself, um, or I don't feel like it's safe for me to do so, I will get as close to nature as I possibly can. So that bit of glass between me and the outside is better to me. It feels better to me than an entire building. So that's what I do. I practice this so much in traffic. So when I first learned how to do this and how to how to stop worrying about the future, because worrying doesn't make it any better and you can't control it anyway. I was travelling to and from working in a car and there was extensive roadworks, every single route I could possibly take. And so it was, it, half an hour journey was taking me an hour and a half. So now I am exceptionally well practised at keeping my patience in traffic, even on the motorway. Me and my boyfriend were stuck recently. It was supposed to take 10 minutes. We wanted to go like one junction, I think, maybe two, I think just one. Um, and unusually I'm not being sarcastic either those of you who are familiar with the M25 it wasn't the M25 (laughs) unusually for that stretch of motorway there was an accident and we sat there for half an hour without moving instead of it taking 10 minutes to get down that strip of road it took us like 45 and he commented on how calm I was when I'm not always calm I'm not, I'm quite an explosive personality, but that I've practiced so many times. I'm actually really good at it now. (laughs) Um, Just goes to show. (laughs) Another big thing which you can incorporate into everything all the time is breathing. Um, I, as part of my recovery, went to yoga a lot. I've not been in a long time and I really need to take that up again. But um, they taught me to breathe. And I know that sounds ridiculous for those of you that haven't done it. Being taught to breathe, surely that's something you just do naturally. Currently, in our current society, we just chest breathe. We don't like full belly breathe. And we don't use our breath to shift the energy in our body. So when I'm starting to feel anxious or overwhelmed, I do this on such a micro level that I I just breathe really deeply in and release it by breathing out. Sometimes it takes a couple of rounds of breath. Um, so so much I do it so much that um, people that spend a lot of time with me have commented that um, they don't know that I'm annoyed until I start breathing out <laughs> really deliberately. Um, and they're like, you're right. I'm like, yeah. Like, and then I'm fine and I deal with it. And it means that I'm able to communicate my feelings better as well because I don't just respond instantly emotionally. I don't do it all the time. Obviously, I still sometimes explode. I'm a human being. However, um, it helps immeasurably. And I will think about how to guide you through that actually on an audio so that if you don't know how to breathe in a in a yoga kind of way, um, then I might be able to record that for you. We in yoga you 
you use your breath to with movement so it really it really grounds that behavior it also helps with pain management as well like if you've got if you're in pain for whatever reason or like monthly (laughs) with your period then breathing through it really helps same with labor I suppose if you've given birth they teach you in NCT right how to breathe so that's that's my biggest that's one of my foundational things there are other things I will share with you in later episodes but that's one of the huge things is break it down and the more you practice doing that um the easier everything becomes so when you've got a massive to-do list you you know this to be true anyway because a I am pretty certain that if you have a lot of things to do and you're feeling like you can't get it all done and it's really overwhelming and you sit down and you make a list and you write that down and then you start to just go through the list. You might prioritise it first before you go through the list but you just start to focus on one thing at a time on your list. You become infinitely more productive and infinitely calmer you get everything done and you stop feeling overwhelmed it's the same sort of thing it's just that you don't have to write I mean obviously to get out of the house and go for a walk I didn't actually write that list of things down I only I only wrote those steps down the put on your shoes find your keys etc when I was reflecting on it as part of writing a blog post about it I didn't actually have a list however if you find it helpful to have a list if you have a task that you know you find difficult to do then having a list is perfectly acceptable you know if that works for you then great do it um I as I say I know I can only hold three things at a time in my head um so I will if I'm finding it hard to get out of bed it will be go to the toilet clean my teeth and put my hair up probably so it's that basic but if I'm struggling to get out of bed that's what gets me out of bed so hopefully you found that helpful let me know if it's something you already do if it's something you've heard of before or um, if it's new to you let me know what you what you're going to apply it to um, what you find difficult, what makes you most anxious and how you think that that might help. I'd love to hear about it. You can get in touch with me in a a variety of different ways. If you go to shanpeters.me, my website will direct you to all of my social media and my email, or you can comment below the podcast. Um, It's up to you, but get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening.